you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Amen. Luke chapter 24, verse 49 through 53, and it reads like this. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we're continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. And it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly. There was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you'll allow me, I promise I'm not a long-winded preacher and the Lord has messed me up left and right. So who knows what tonight might bring. But I feel that God has his hand on this word. And I want you to pray with me a simple title, Tarry Ye to Suddenly. From Tarry Ye to Suddenly. Let's pray together. Lord. Help me, God. I pray, give me strength. Lord, I pray that you would let me just hide behind you, Jesus. Lord, let you be shown in all things said and done. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move. God, that your will would be done in this place, Lord, and through your messenger, God. I know you've anointed me and you've anointed this word. I pray that you would help me in all ways. Let me speak with clarity and understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. The church said amen. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and just say, man, it's good to see you as you're seated tonight. From tarry ye to suddenly. We just read in the Bible where Jesus was resurrected and he decided that he was going to spend the next 40 days after resurrecting from death with his disciples. One last chance to see him in the flesh and to ask all the questions and to get the last little bit of training face to face before he would go up in the clouds. And he told them simply, go and tarry in Jerusalem. Forty days he spent with them. We just endured Easter as an entire world. And now we're in this 40-day period where Jesus dealt with his disciples as they began to transform into apostles. And this is what we know as the start of the church. I 
promise not to talk above anybody's head if I can help it tonight, but this is where everything started. Before then, it was just people gathering in fields. They were on mountainsides and, and hilltops, and, and, and there's times where they would begin to preach, and you'd get a sentence or two at a time, and whether it was translation or as people would begin to shout it up the mountains and through the land, they would transfer the Word of God in this way and shape. And so this began the assembly of the body of Christ. And on that, we began to, uh, to began to be part of it. And so he spent this 40 days telling them things are changing and, and here's what it's going to be. And, and he gave them what's called the Great Commission, saying go and preach and teach, baptize them in the name of Jesus and, and everything that we know to be true about the Bible. But then he left. And he said simply, go a half a mile and wait. Half a mile, like 2,600 feet. Like we've walked that in gym class, every last one of us, whether one or two or not. (laughs) And they walked that half mile, and in that period of time, 10 days and a half mile, 380 out of 500, let me give you a percentage, 75% weren't there. Ten days is all it took for excuses. Ten days is all it took for somebody to give a reason why I wasn't going to be there. And and in ten days, your character, your integrity, everything has to be challenged in ten days. When you go for a job interview, how many of you would wait ten days for a response? Thought so. In this day and age, we expect to get a job offer right then and there, and it better come on with a sign-on bonus. Amen? And so in everything that we do, we, we just don't have a society, even back then, that would wait 10 days. I can imagine one of them going up and be like, hey, Matt, just let me know if something happens, man. I'll be right here. Just, just give me a buzz. You know, come, come find me. Or, or hey, Petey, I'm, I've got work. I've got to see a man about a donkey. And as I go and sell my donkey and take care of business, I'm not, I might miss things. Just let me know. And so 75% found reason to not be in that upper room. But there were 120. I don't know what that would have been like. We've been in prayer meetings that have lasted too long. Sorry, that was to the flesh. We've been in church services where the preacher preached too long. Amen? That's okay, good. We're on the same page. But we've been everywhere where it seems like things have just taken forever. Why can't we just get to it? So I couldn't imagine how many started in the upper room. But I know how many finished there because it was recorded in Acts. And what power and what amazing miracles happened that day. If you haven't been here before, let me tell you about that day just for a minute. The Bible says that they were go uh, to tarry there until you be endued with power from on high. Now that sounds awesome, but I still don't know what you're talking about. And the power that could have fallen right then and there could have been anything. You might have been a king. But it was so wild to walk in and to know that something different because uh, all the time that Jesus was around, he kept saying that you'll be uh, blessed with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And, and he would use fire a lot and power. And it was interchangeable sometimes what was going to happen on that day. And so they traveled and they waited. And, and 10 days later, as they were in the upper room, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost fell on them. 
And if you've never experienced that, the Holy Ghost is the most miraculous thing that can happen on earth. And we have a dead lady walking in our church right now. We've had people that have had uh, uh, arthritis healed and, and blind eyes open and ears unstopped and all manner that is spoken in the Bible. Everything that I've ever read, I've seen and experienced, except for maybe leprosy. But I've seen some wild things just fall off people and disappear. I remember uh, my wife years ago, I was at a conference, I was 900 miles away and and a man began to speak, and he would uh, literally call out nicknames, and God would use him in a prophetic style. And, and as they'd stand up, he'd just start beginning to, what, what we call, read their mail. He'd just say everything about them, and God's going to bless you, and they'd pray, and it'd, it'd be unreal. And so as we got to the line, he, he began to ask, and he said, if you have a miracle you need, just stand in line right here, and, and, and we're going to pray for you one by one. And so he got to me, and he said, what would you like God to do? I said, well, my wife has a lump we're not so sure about. And so he'd stopped everything, and he said, are there any ladies with it in the house tonight? And, and so one confessed, I have a lump. I'm not sure what it is. I haven't had it checked out. It's similar. It's amazing how God works sometimes. And, and we began to pray, and, and, and he said, all right, everybody, just look away. Uh, Ma'am, I want you to just check and see what you think about it now. And she said, it's gone. And, and the whole place began to rejoice, and it was an unreal experience. But nothing tops the Holy Ghost. Within a matter of weeks, my wife no longer had a lump. We were young. It was scary. The thought of what in the world could all that be. But, but God can do a miraculous of everything in our lives. He can heal every lump. He can heal every disease. And so imagine hearing go and tarry. The problem is there was no time limit. There was nothing that said you have to wait X amount of days. It was simply just go and wait for me to call. And that's where we begin to lose hope because we're flesh. And flesh sometimes doesn't like to wait. It doesn't like those moments of waiting. And I, I promise I'm going to get somewhere tonight if you'll just give me just a moment. The problem with the things of God and His time frame and everything that we are is the fact that we simply can't comprehend what he can do. I always trend, I, I tend to use stories and illustrations to the best of my abilities. Some of you are in this place and you don't know what tomorrow might look like. I don't want to just give generalizations. Let me break it down just a little bit better. You're not sure if you'll have a job. The world, the way it looks, some of you are, are edging retirement or maybe you're on it and you're not sure I'm going to make it to the end of the money. Some of you might not be sure. Well, I don't know what another night in my home might look like. I, I can't stand it. The voices I hear, the things that, that are on me, the, the things I feel about my life, I don't know what's going to happen. And, and there's that uneasiness and scariness about life or some of you are facing different things. Maybe, maybe it's a body thing. My blood sugar is not right. The blood pressure, there's something about the blood in me that's not right. And they can't figure things out and I'm, I'm losing it and I find myself weary and not able to maintain or not able to carry on. But, but through it all, God is not worried. And the hard part is the tarrying. That word tarry simply means to wait. Wait on the Lord. 
In fact, the scriptures say, wait on the Lord and he'll renew your strength. There's other scriptures I'm going to go all night. I don't know about where it'll take me, but sometimes the Bible even says to be still. Know that I am God. I'll never forget Sister Magruder in her feeble body. She was a, a, a really distant relative of ours through marriage and different things. But there was a time going through cancer where she was just asked to stay a word. And she said, well, I'm not sure what to do. And so there's a scripture where it said stand on the word. So she literally put her Bible on the floor, took off her shoes, and just stood there. She'd lean up against the wall, not sure how am I going to get strength, how am I going to make it, but I'm going to do exactly what you said, and I'm going to stand on the Word of God. Tearing is the hardest part. That waiting is the hardest part. But if you can wait, there's power that's coming. If you can hold on for just a little while, I don't know how long, bro. Sis, I don't know what that means for you, but I promise it could be tonight where that wait is finally over, where God decides, I'm going to do something I've never done in this church. I'm going to do something that's never been done in your life, but I'm going to see God heal somebody tonight. I'm going to watch God change a life tonight. Amen, amen, amen. And so he told them, go and tarry. Ten days, 120. Have you all ever been sick where your sickness lasted too long? We just went through COVID, man. That thing was like determined to last two weeks. Didn't matter who you were. You, had not, you couldn't taste nothing. We all should have lost 100 pounds just eating broccoli because nothing ever just bland. It was gross. But no, we kept eating steaks and McDonald's saying something's going to come through and I'm going to catch some flavor. <laughs> Amen. Sorry, I did it twice. <laughs> and so through all of it, things last seemingly way too long. I wish I could pull the prayer list up from a year ago and look at all the names for the past year. Y'all ever been through something? I was 10 years old. I had strep throat. It turned into like scarlet fever or scalded skin disease or some sort of craziness where it was just an infection of the blood. And I sat on a hospital bed for a week. I'll never forget. It's the grossest thing. Y'all all right? I was 10, and my parents could have killed me. I thought it was the coolest thing. I could pull handfuls of hair out of my head. Mom, look at that. She'd cry, and she'd, don't do that. <laughs> Trying to make sure you're alive and well, don't do that. And I remember that my feet, they would, the, the skin peeled off in one big old chunk. It was gross. <laughs> one looked like the United States. We kept it. <laughs> when it's that specific, it's not a joke, is it? But I'll never forget I had a praying mom and dad when doctors couldn't diagnose it, when you couldn't put a limit on it. And sure, a week feels like a long time to sit in a hospital bed and not sure if your boy's going to make it. 105 degree temperature, holding on to every breath. Oh, I was fine. Cartoons were happening. School was out. I was great. But I never knew what parents might have went through. Some of us have been through that. As a parent, I've seen it where my daughter will have a cold that will linger and turn into asthma and all this stuff. And I, I find myself questioning, why, God? Why the wait? Why the tarry? Why do I have to endure this? You want to know something? It, it blows my mind. I've done some research on, on World War II. I just love it to death. I love history. And I began to realize that even the Japanese used to train in such an intense way during that time where uh, the men, uh, the, the, the captains would go to all their soldiers and if you were too tall, they'd beat you with a stick. 
And if you were too tort, they, short, they'd beat you with a stick. And if you chewed too loudly or didn't use something right, they found every way possible to just beat you. And the question was, why are we getting beat so much? And the soldiers never asked that because that question meant you got beat with a stick. But people on the outside looking in would question, why is your army like that? And they said, so it makes us ready at every possible second. You never knew when it was going to come, so you stayed on guard. A lot of you don't understand, why am I going through this? I just got through the last trial. Why am I fighting another one? Bro, we've had your name on a list for 10 years or better. Why do I keep fighting? I've had multiple kidney transplants. Why am I fighting this? Why is cancer not given up when God's given victory? Why do I tarry? Why do I wait? But it's so that he can take us and make us something we weren't without it. It's amazing. I did a little bit of follow-up on some research. I, I, I looked at what Judas Iscariot did. If Again, I promise I'm, I'm trying not to go too fast or jump all over the place. But Judas was a man that was a disciple of Christ. And he's the one that sold Jesus down the river, so, so to speak. He was the one that sold him for 30 pieces of silver. And, and when he realized what he had done, he went to go give it back to the priest. And the priest ended up taking that money and buying land because you couldn't put it back in the treasury. It was blood money. And so the land they bought, the Bible says in a, in a scripture, and I, I began to read it, what does all this mean tonight, where it says that he who bought the land ended up dying on it, and his guts began to open up on the land, and blood began to spill. And it was land that they used now as a burial ground, but back in the day it was potter's, a potter's field. To think of what Judas must have died on, but the Bible talks about us being clay in that potter's hand. And he's molding you and making you. And so that's why we don't have these easy lives. That's why we can't explain why do I have to go through sometimes what seems torment or torture. But it really is just the captain keeping the soldiers ready. Come on, I, I need you to have a prayer life. I need you to search for me. I need you to get to where fasting might become something necessary and something you need to do. And, and if you find yourself getting beat and just getting reminded sometimes that this world is to perfect me in some ways. It's the tarrying. Tarry ye until ye be endued with power. Why should I? We haven't been conditioned for this unless you have went through some of the beatings and some of the stripes. Luke 4, 18 and 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus spoke these things. Have you ever wondered why in the world he came, died on a cross, and, and now we have church and all this stuff? And, and, and at the root of it, I say it is for salvation, but I want to read this again slower. Knowing Jesus said, this is why he came. This is why we tarry. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. My purpose in the tarry is so that one day I can be what Jesus was. Now here's the part I want to get to. In the Bible... From Luke chapter 24 to Acts chapter 2, they say that he might have just as well wrote them back to back because it's the same author and it flows seemingly from one to the other. 
And it's not far that we get into Acts that these 10 days take place all in about a chapter and a half. And that's the moment that we get to tonight. There's a part of the word that, that really is uh, uh, it's, it's difficult to get. And that sometimes is silence. You see, God has ordained us to, to be healed and he said in his word that we are to be something more and to, to preach and to do these marvelous things. And, and he says, go and tarry, and there's that period. But, but then there's this period where you don't hear a thing. I've heard it said that truly God was silent right before the biggest miracles would happen. And the biggest things on our earth would take place. When Jesus was baptized, all of heaven opened up. This is my son and who I'm well pleased. And, and the birds were around and everything was great. And it was like, my Lord, we just had baptism. That the whole, all of the world's opened up. Everybody can see who Jesus is. This is great. And then he goes through the biggest test of his life right before the biggest miracle, before everything was supposed to happen. And you know what the heavens did? Nothing. I want to explain a miracle tonight to you a little bit. Because it doesn't make sense. The time he never quite comprehends. Has anybody ever had a miracle in their life? Raise your hand really high. Those of us that have had it know what it is. You can say it with authority. This is my miracle. When I look across this room, I'll, I'll see where uh, uh, certain ones of you that have had infertility issues, that God has blessed you with children now. I can look across here and again see arthritis where we saw fingers literally straightened up on hands that had never been like that before. We've had some that dropped dead and God raised from the dead. All of this stuff has happened. And sometimes it didn't seem like it was the right time for it to happen. It was just awkward. The last set of kidneys that Jason had put in him, if you don't mind me talking so openly about it, is the fact that we didn't know why or whence it came from. When you looked at the church, it was just normal. Nothing great was going to happen. Maybe some of you church members need to realize what's been spoken the past few weeks. It was about two or three weeks ago where everybody began to say, I see miracles. And it's going to happen, and God's going to take us through a season of miracles. And then the next week, last week, we're being told that sometimes seasons change. And sometimes you might not understand why the, the, the waters aren't being stirred and all this stuff isn't happening. And you'll hear this silence, so it seems, where God's rebuilding and restoring, and you don't feel like the prophecies are coming forth and the Word's not coming forth. And we find ourselves digging deeper in the Word of God and in prayer and in our, our, our walk with Him, and all this stuff happens. But let me show you what happens in that silence. There was a lady with an issue of blood. The Bible says she had it for 12 years, and she'd go and see physicians. She'd go spend every dollar she had, and, and the masses were there thanking Jesus and loving him and tucking, uh, tugging on him and, and being a part of his life. But there she was, just, I can imagine her reaching through the crowd and being feeble, dealing with constant blood flow in her body, barely reaching out and touching the hem of a garment. There's nothing said. In fact, the whole place stopped for a minute. Couldn't imagine being in that moment just wondering, what do you mean, who touched you? In fact, that's what they said. Everyone's touching you. What do you mean? He goes, no, 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 no. Virtue flowed out. Someone touched me. 
The crowds were talking. The crowds were cheering. It seemed like all life was normal. But somewhere down deep, there was a little lady with 12 years and an issue of blood. And she just began to reach out, not making any scene, just trying to get close enough, waiting. I'm going I'm to play this just right. And as that parade comes on by, she reaches out and just touches. Just with enough faith, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Just in silence, if I could just have this moment. And the Bible said she was healed. She begins to shout up and, and, and said, uh, Scripture, they record it in two different Gospels where the blood stopped instantly. I couldn't imagine what that would be like. Uh, to read deep into it is to know what that means, where uh, that constant issue of blood, and, and it changed her life. The same happened at a pool of Bethesda. I looked up the word Bethesda. It means a few things. It means a house of mercy, a house of grace, and a place of disgrace. If you've never read or, or anything, know about Bethesda in the Bible. The, uh, the pool of Bethesda is where everybody that was disgraceful, disabled, they'd go and sit and they'd wait. Family was kind of giving up on you. Imagine being crippled in that day and age. They didn't have wheelchairs. ADA wasn't a thing. We didn't have access. It was just you just go and sit there. You live there. Somebody will help bring you food. They'll keep you alive. And the Bible says that in a season... As this season came around, that an angel of the Lord would trouble the waters. Imagine how crazy this sounds in our world. It would trouble the waters. One pool in the entire world, one season a year, one time, first person in wins. You get healed. And we wonder why we're full of competition. In fact, we wonder why when, when something great happens, a lot of us in our mind will instantly think, well, that's it. God's already healed. He's done now. He's troubled the waters. He's troubled the church. And so-and-so and, and -so got healed tonight, and so God's done. So -and -so, uh, Sister Jordan's got brought through all her cancer. Now God's done healing. And so we sit and we think we have to wait for that next season. But God's not done. He walked by that pool. And he looked at the man who had been there. I believe he was 38 years old or had the issue for 38 years and Literally looked at him and he goes, you know, take up your bed, stand up, walk. And he begins to heal. And it was a big deal on the Sabbath of all things. And, and there was this man being healed because we no longer had to wait for pools. It was a silent day. Nothing flashy was happening. He wasn't on the Sermon on the Mount. He wasn't passing out bread. It was just in the silence that healing happens. In fact, when Acts 2 happens, I don't know what the prayer room was like. But to the rest of the world, it was just that silent in-between time. But then the word uses a powerful adjective or, or, or whatnot of suddenly, suddenly. In the New Testament, it's mentioned ten times, five times in the book of Acts. Suddenly, that is such a powerful world to us. Because he doesn't have to take forever for you to be healed. I don't know where we got in our mindset that God's just got to take year after year and, well, I had surgery or I, ha I have to have this and all this strength. No, God can do it suddenly. He can heal your mind suddenly. And so that's where we are tonight. Simply put, in probably 20 minutes, we tarry till we get to Suddenly. Suddenly in the Bible, it was used a lot of times. Paul used it a couple times because he said when I was on the road to Damascus and I was just walking, Paul was a man that wasn't used of God at the moment.
He was Saul of Tarsus at that time. In fact, he persecuted Jews. You ever thought about that? Anybody ever want to be Paul? He wrote like 19 books in the New Testament. Very cool. But he had one prerequisite that a lot of us don't have. He persecuted Christians. And so I, don't, I can't be Paul. If I want to be a Peter, I'll try my best to be like Peter. I can be like Matthew and Luke and all these other guys, and I can try my best. But it's not in me to be Paul. I wasn't, I, there's not going to be that moment where I, I, I don't relate to Paul that much. Unfortunately or fortunately, I'm thankful for it, but I don't have a past where it, it seems irreplaceable or, or unmistakable or unerasable. Y'all getting this? Because some of you have come tonight, and, and it really is almost too much for you to get past an addiction. In your mind, you feel like, well, I can't pass this, and I can't, I can't get to where God can use me, and I can't ever get good enough to where he'll, he'll let me be used, and even if it's a small role, but... But I want to wash our minds of all that a little bit and just show you Paul was one that was used of God and so heavily used of the devil. And when he speaks about suddenly, he talks about his blinding moment on that road to Damascus. How all of a sudden change happened, miracle happened in his life, and now he writes all that we know in the New Testament practically. And it was Saul that was in that jail cell in the middle of the night in the quiet time, in the silence, y'all, I want to break it down as best I can. This church, it might feel like we're in a moment of silence. Sometimes the, the Bible will say that what weeping endureth for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Do you realize how loud birds are right before that sun breaks? It might be silent. It might feel like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. You might feel like it's never going to end. It's been dark for so long. I don't know how much more I can take. Another doctor visit. Another time trying to get blood drawn. Another time trying to see if my mind will hold up and, and all this stuff. But I'm telling you that God will work in that silence and he'll give you a suddenly. He'll take you to where suddenly means something. It was in those moments where Paul had a suddenly moment. Him and Silas and the, the people were praying. Imagine the door shook, an earthquake happened, a suddenly moment. Walks up to the people that were praying, knocks on the door, and they check, who are you? I'm Paul. No, you're not. We're praying for him. But Paul had a suddenly moment. This world doesn't have to believe that you're healed. This world doesn't have to believe that the miraculous can happen. They can think all they want to, that you need everybody in the world to take care of you. But I'm saying God can do something that man can't. And he can do it in a moment like man can't do it. And he'll take care of your life the way man can't take care of your life. I do want music to come. Sometimes the fight doesn't quite seem like it's worth it. I hope I'm reaching even our guests. I know, God, I promise you, I've sat in an office this afternoon praying over every moment, every word, and I've written down a lot, and I've skipped past it because I'm trying to follow the Holy Ghost the best I know how. And it's in those moments where I, I felt God so strongly, I just had to stop and close my eyes. I'd pray, not knowing what tonight meant. I, 
for you to think that you just happenstancely walked in here or that, that you're just going to give God one more chance and nothing else matters, I'm telling you, God knows who you are and he knows where you are. And just because you think it's your last chance, he's just getting started with you. And he's here to change everything about you. To where when you get to work, people can't understand the way you think anymore. Why'd you quit cussing? Why'd you quit going out with us? Why'd you quit all these drugs? Why'd you quit all this stuff? What's going on? Are you okay? And they're asking that because you might not partake in something that might numb you. But God's really trying to just work and get things started in your life. I've seen lives that have been transformed where people were drug addicts and I've watched them come back and and lead successful jail ministries. And they're the type of people that will come back and they'll lead a nursing home ministry. I did nursing home years ago. For a short period, I was out of town and I was helping out a church and I had this 90-year-old lady. She only had one eye and I knew that she wasn't raised the way we believe. And the Bible says to be baptized in Jesus' name. And I knew it was a big point. I... I wanted to see somebody's life changed, even at 90. I remember standing in that nursing home, and I'd preach every week. I was very young, and if you think I'm no good now, I must have really stunk back then. I was doing all I could just to tell her about the love of God. And she came up to me, one eye shut, and she just goes, Pastor? And I said, "Uh, it's Brandon. No, 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 you're my pastor. Pastor, I want to get baptized. God can do more for you in a moment. He can do more for you in just a second. The twinkling of an eye, the Bible says he'll return. He knows about how quick we need it. And I promise you, if you'll give him a chance, he can do more for you in that second than what the world could do with you in a lifetime. God's looking to change lives. He's looking to heal people. He's looking to bring you out of your situation If you're a saint of this church, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how many times we've prayed over you. God still wants to heal you. While the church has been praying, I'm telling you, it might be midnight for you. And he's ready for an earthquake in your life. And he's ready to see gates shaken and doors open where you felt so chained and so caged by what's been afflicting you. And he's ready to let you walk out. Some might not choose to believe it, but I choose to believe that God can still change things. Twelve years with an issue of blood. Thirty-eight years sitting by the pool of Bethesda. He's used to big cases. Your cancer, your dizziness, your arthritis, it doesn't offend him, affect him. It doesn't stop him or give him pause. He knows how to deal with that. It's better than anybody else in this world. The Bible calls him the great physician. Old Raboni, teacher, master. Man, I can get lost all day in what God is to me. He's the mighty God. The everlasting Father. You know why we call him that? Because some fathers aren't that great sometimes. And even some fathers pass away on us whether we want them to or not. But I've still got the one everlasting Father. The Bible says he's my Prince of Peace. He's my Counselor. He's with me every day. If you'd stand with me. The most perplexing thing about the Japanese was this one guy 
He was in one of the islands in the Philippines. The war was over, but nobody told him for 29 years. Imagine 1974, and you're still ready to fight. They had some rules. You don't ever give up. You never surrender. You fight till the death. I know that's the Japanese and that's war and that's flesh, but I feel like God might have some similar rules. You don't get to give up. You don't get to surrender unless it's to him. You never get to quit. You might feel like it's a moment of silence. God hasn't spoken in my life. I haven't heard from him. That's fine. He's still ready to use you. And he's waiting to see, are you going to be ready for war? I can't explain your past, dear brother or sister. I can't explain why you've got to go through the heartache that you've went through and why the jobs might never seem to line up and nothing ever seems to cut you a break. But God is still in control of it all. And he's preparing your life for something great. going to pray corporately. I wonder if maybe even before prayer, if you'd close your eyes and just bow your heads. I'm telling you, God didn't just give me this for no reason, and I, I've done the best I can. Lord, you know. The messenger might be weak, but you're not. But I'm telling you, I, I wish that somebody that just believed enough that God might suddenly change something in the silence that you felt. That maybe you'd like to make your way up here. Maybe you need the Holy Ghost. Maybe you need to go and wait in this little place of Jerusalem and tarry ye until you be endued with power. Maybe you just need a moment where God might fill you up and overflow you with power. You know what that power does? At the very mention of His name, demons flee. They tremble. You can't be terrorized no more. If you'll live your life for God, if you'll shout His name, if you'll pray to him, you'll live a life of uh, dominant and control life. You'll have dominion. You'll have power. You're not second to nobody but to him anymore. God will take care of you. Or maybe you're in this place saying, brother, I'm not sure what this is. I've got to see a doctor. Maybe I need to see a neurologist. I've got to twitch all of a sudden. I'm not sure what this means, and I don't know what it's going to say ultimately. I've got things that are remnant from COVID. I can't explain it. But I still know a God. I still know a God that's master of suddenly, that knows how to make the earth quake in the middle of silence, that knows how power can fall. So to those of you that might need a touch from God, I wonder what it would be to step out, to come to this altar. This is a place of change. That's why we call it the altar. Your life can be transformed. You don't have to leave the same way you came. If some of our church and church team that knows how to pray would find some of these people to pray with, I see you moving. You might need the miracle that nobody else knows. I need clarity of mind. That's all right. Come forward. Let's pray together. Let God change your life tonight. Jesus, you change
chains can be broken tonight. Those chains of addiction. Those chains of a past. God can make all things.